0: Welcome to Engineering Fields of Dreams podcast. We're here to share stories and professional experiences of engineers across disciplines and let you explore the amazing world of engineering. Each episode, you'll hear inspiring stories and advice from engineers, allowing you to learn from their successes and experiences. Whether you're an engineering student, a veteran engineer, or just curious about engineering, we invite you to join us and explore the amazing and ever-changing world of engineering.
1: Welcome to this episode, Maximizing Communication Impact, with our guest, Chris. Thank
2: you for being here today, Chris. Would you please introduce yourself? Sure, thanks. So I'm Chris. I'm a communication coach for tech professionals. And before this point, I was working for the majority of my current data industry, doing things like analytics, visualization, and storytelling. And I decided that the thing that I could do, do to give the best and most positive impact on the community would be focusing on the soft skills aspect of the industry. So teaching how to present and communicate well, because for me, what I realized was all the technical work that we do won't have the maximum impact, won't have the maximum value, unless you can communicate that to the people that need to use it. 100%.
1: And that's why I teach this communication course at the university. I'm very excited
2: to talk today. Why did you choose this career? extension of your introduction. So I actually began my career in a very different place. I began in music, actually. So very far left field from what I currently do. And when I look back on my career, I realized that every step I took from music on was really informed by my desire to tell stories, meaningful stories, just in different ways. So in music, I could tell stories through film, through advertising. Later on, I explored the idea that you can tell stories through sound and sound being a kind of a footprint of a place, if you will. And I actually studied engineering, the closest engineering field that I could find to music, which was acoustic engineering. So I was involved in acoustic consulting for a bit, working in New York City to help buildings construct their architecture so that teachers, for example, can be heard in lecture halls, or performers can be heard in music halls. But over the course of my time working there, I realized that there was some piece missing. I wasn't completely fulfilled in the work. I wanted to do something that was more programming oriented. I felt like that was a part of my brain. I wanted to exercise a bit more. And I went into the crazy world of data after that. I upskilled entirely on my own outside of a degree program. I didn't want to have to go back for another expensive degree. So I did a lot of upskilling in my own time. And I got my first job in data at the Department of Transportation, and since then worked at various companies doing analytics, visualization, and storytelling. And that brings me to where I am today, where through everything I've learned over the course of my career in all these different disciplines, it informs the way that I teach communication and presentation. So music, thinking about the audience experience, or engineering, thinking about how engineers think and how to transplant that way of thinking into a context that works for many different kinds of audiences. So looking back on my career, it all makes sense. And I'm very happy where I am today. I
1: think thinking about the audience is so important, whether you're doing a presentation on data or just a presentation like to your local homeowners association, it's really important to understand who you're speaking to and to present a story that is memorable because nobody enjoys like a really long-winded data presentation of a bunch of numbers that's impossible to follow. So it's really important storytelling. And I think one of the points that engineers trip themselves up on is that sometimes they get really hung up on a data point that is of interest to them, but maybe not might not be of interest to their audience.
2: Absolutely. I found that one of the challenges that I experienced as well, having been an engineer and then later on a data professional, is that I might find something compelling. But if my audience they don't find it compelling, then there's no reason to include it. So it's about that kind of screenwriting principle of kill your darlings, which is that you might be attached to an idea, but unless it serves the overarching story for your audience, you have to take it away. You have to focus and be concise about your points.
1: I think too, thinking about like a musical performance and tapping in that part of your background,
2: I think it's very important to be aware of
1: the room. And I think sometimes in a data presentation, especially for an engineer, they have this script and this idea in in their head that they have to go to point A to point B to point C. And that's the only way it's gonna be. But if you lose your audience point A and you're not looking out into the room and paying attention, you should be able to pivot and adapt. And to expand on points that they need clarification on, or if if you had a more basic presentation and they're very technical to be able to really go into the weeds with them, because that's what they want. So I think understanding who your audience is, but also paying attention to how engaged and connected they are to what you're delivering is important too.
2: Absolutely. And in fact, there's an analogy from music that I often think about, which is the difference between composition and improvisation. And I feel like as engineers, we like having scripts. We like having programs. We like having things logically laid out. But the truth and reality of presentation is that you have to allow a degree of improvisation to it. Because as you noted very well, it's if the audience isn't responding to something, you need to hone in a little more to that point. If they want you to go in a different direction, they're more curious about that, you have to go in that direction. So it's about freeing yourself from feeling like you need to know every single word you need to say, and rather knowing your material inside out so you can just talk freely and naturally through it.
1: I think talking freely and naturally is something that sometimes engineers get hung up on. They really like their script and then they sound robotic. And it's like they're there, but they're really not there. They're really trying to get through the script. And the audience picks up on that. And then that makes them want to disengage too. So that's not good news
2: for having an effective presentation. I watched one of your earlier lectures where I believe you said, yeah, it's you strongly advise don't write scripts because it comes off as robotic. It comes off as you're not really there in the presentation present with them. You're just somewhere else that you pre-planned. So I highly recommend the same. It's knowing your material and rehearsing, if possible, beforehand, recording yourself, seeing how you present. And that's the best way to prepare, not writing a script.
1: What is one thing that you know now that you wished
2: you knew before graduation? I wish I knew that it was okay to make mistakes as much as I've made, at least. And before graduation, I had this idea that when I got a job, I had to do everything perfectly. Otherwise, I'd be reprimanded, criticized, and I would be evaluated as doing more performance. But what I learned over the course of the many jobs that I've had is that it's fine to make mistakes. As long as you take ownership of them, accountability for them, and you learn, that's the most important thing. And it's similar to an interview setting. The interviewer doesn't necessarily want you to always get the correct answer. They want to know that you have a good thought process about learning uh, from your mistakes. So if you don't get exactly what they were looking for, at least if you can demonstrate that you understand the problem, that you understand what to do to solve that problem, that's what they really want. And so if I were to tell my younger self, some advice it would be, it's okay to make mistakes, seek the people that can help you learn and do your best to learn from, yeah, those experiences.
1: I think learning from mistakes, those are the things that actually stick with you more. Like when things go right, like you might forget the recipe and the path you took, But say you're doing a data analysis, But when you make that mistake and then you have to redo things, you learn from that. And if you reflect on it and learn from the experience, that's probably going to stick with you
2: more than if everything went right on the first pass. I was actually talking to someone, I think it was yesterday, and they said they were so hesitant to give a presentation that they would always give it to somebody else to do because they were afraid of making mistakes. They wanted to be perfect. And they couldn't achieve that perfection. So they said, okay, someone else can do it better than me. And I said to them, the only way for you to grow is to expand your comfort zone. I know right now that it's not comfortable for you to do, but if you push yourself a little bit each time, a little further, then you'll realize it's not as scary as you think. And the more mistakes you make, the more you learn and the better that you will be. Yes. I always tell my students
1: that the magic happens outside of your comfort zone. Yes. And that kind of leads to my next question
2: is, recall a challenging professional situation and what did you learn from it? One of the most challenging situations that I remember was in a workplace I was working as an analyst. And this was an instance where I had taken on a project just after joining a new team within the company. So I was still learning the kind of interpersonal team dynamics. And there was a tech lead on this team for this conversation I'll call him Arthur. And Arthur was responsible for giving me direction, what to do as the technical data professional. We had our first meeting with the stakeholder who was giving us this work. And they said, oh, we need X, Y, and Z. And Arthur jumps in and says, okay, we can do that with SQL stored procedures, a lot of jargon, and with this database and this methodology. And then I was tasked with then implementing that. The problem happens at this stage because when I implemented that work, and presented it to the stakeholders. It turned out it wasn't at all what they needed. They said, we actually wanted a SQL agnostic approach. And it turns out your approach is entirely dependent on SQL, so we can't use this. All the work I had done was useless because we didn't understand what the problem actually was they wanted to solve. We didn't get those details up front, And that experience really taught me the importance of communication because as engineers and technical professionals, we love creating solutions. That's our bread and butter. We love solving problems, but unless we understand what the problem is we need to solve, then we're not going to have any, deliver any value whatsoever. So from that point forward, I worked with the team to establish a better procedure about conducting these kinds of meetings. I said, okay, we need to take the time to really listen to their requirements, make sure they fill out this intake form and take the time to really listen. Because I feel like a lot of times in these meetings, a lot of people just want to speak their mind. But not enough time is taken to really listen to people, actively listen to understand what they really want. So that experience really taught me the importance above all of communication and how that's the essential piece to make sure work gets done the right way.
1: Yes. And one of my earlier guests on this podcast, who is also works in data, says she she always asks the question, yes, that's what you want. But is there anything else? Help me understand what you're requesting. Because maybe you have a very limited scope of what you think is possible, but I know that there's this other stuff that probably answers your question better and to have those conversations. I think just taking a direct request oftentimes doesn't lead to good outcomes. It's really important that you understand it and then also educate the client of what is possible because maybe that would better answer their question
2: than how they presented what they were requesting of you. Exactly. The path of least resistance is just accepting what they've told you to do. But what's harder, but actually more rewarding is challenging that and seeing what the actual problem might really be. There was another example that I had, another challenging situation where a stakeholder that I was working with said, we need a metric that shows the tasks that are taking the longest amount of time. And I took that step further and I said, what do you need that for? And they said, we want to figure out what tasks have the most issues. And they figured that if it takes more time, it had more issues. And I said, because I understood the data set, I analyzed it beforehand. I said, that might be problematic because some tasks might take a longer time just because they're processing more data. So what we really need is a different kind of metric that takes time into account, that takes the volume of data process into account, not just the time. So that instance taught me that it's really important, just as you said, to push just a little further that the requirements they give you might be from their understanding, but they're relying on you and your technical expertise to guide them in the right direction. For
1: sure. So to wrap this up, what advice would you impart to someone just starting their
2: career? The advice I would give would be to focus on, and this is an issue that we both are really passionate about, focus on your communication and presentation ability as early as possible. The soft skill aspects of your career are as important as the technical ones and will increasingly get more important, the higher you want to rise in your organization. Many analysts, aspiring analysts I've spoken to, they believe that the role is primarily technical. Yes, early on it might be, but it becomes increasingly important to talk to stakeholders, to talk to managers and executives, the more you rise within the organization. And so working on presentation and communication are incredibly important. I think there's a saying that goes, yeah, the technical skills will get you in the door, but the soft skills will get you hired and then promoted. So biggest advice I would give is to focus on those things.
1: For sure. I think going back to what we talked about at the beginning, the importance of audience, you can't just make a presentation of the data project you did and give the same presentation to the C-suite, to your fellow colleagues or to the public. Those are very unique audiences. And even if the analysis is the same, you have to change your presentation for those different audiences and understand what your purpose is, your purpose on educating the C-suite is going to be different than educating like the public. So it's very important to tailor your presentations. I think one of the most offensive things one can do in a presentation is give the same presentation to multiple audiences when it isn't focused on that particular audience.
2: Absolutely. One of the things I always say to my clients is it's not about you. And it's not necessarily even about your material. It's really about your audience, because it really needs to speak to them and what they can do with the information you're giving. So if you have a data analysis, you have to give a tailored version to the C-suite that addresses maybe higher level metrics. If you're talking to finance about that analysis, you need to focus on finance metrics and terminology. If you're talking to marketing, you need to focus on marketing metrics and terminology. So every single time you need to think about your audience, not just about yourself and your material, but This has been a wonderful conversation with you today, Chris. And thank you so much for being on
1: the
0: podcast. Likewise, Matt. Thanks so much for the opportunity. We'd like to thank today's guests for sharing their professional experience and career advice. We appreciate their insight and taking the time to share them with our audience. To you, the listener, thank you for joining us on this journey and exploring the ever-evolving world of engineering. We hope we've inspired you to pursue your dreams and ambitions. Let us know if there are topics or fields you'd like to hear more about. Until next time, we wish you the best of luck on your engineering journey.